Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you once again for this day, another day. To walk in faith with you. To serve you by faith. To do the work of faith. Thank you, Lord, for waking us up. Thanking Lord for giving us strength. And this hour I commit everyone here and everyone who are online listening, wherever, whichever part of the world they may be in, commit them all into that, Lord. One more day and this month would be over. We just want to thank you for keeping us. As we now come to the ministry of the Word of God, I pray, Lord, even as you have magnified your word above everything, we too will magnify your word over every situation that we are going through. Your word, your word, word of the living God, the God who created everything with the word of his mouth and holds everything by the power of his word. We just glorify you, Lord, this hour. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Last Saturday we had looked at from First Thessalonians. We'll go back to verse 3 of First Thessalonians chapter 1. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. He begins there with the work of faith. Work of faith and we have to work on our faith. The work of faith only can produce the labor of love. And only the labor of love can produce the patience of hope. Okay, These three are connected. But like I said, the greatest of course is love. But the most important is faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to do anything connected with God. In Acts chapter 10, 38, we see the entire ministry of Jesus summed up in one verse. The entire life ministry of Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, One verse. Three and a half years of ministry in one words is God anointed Jesus Christ. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. This is a picture of Jesus in the Bible. If you see Jesus in the Bible, he's either on the way to heal somebody or coming back from healing or delivering somebody or in the midst of healing and delivering somebody. This is a picture you see of Jesus through the his ministry, four gospels. Either he's on the way to heal somebody, but he's coming back from healing somebody, or he's in the midst of healing somebody, and he will interrupt his messages, he will interrupt his journey, and he will do this practical of teaching and healing, delivering. So one of the incidents in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 22, we know. And Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, be of good comfort. Good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
and the woman was made well from that hour. Okay, we know the incident. Jairus, a big man in this community, comes fall at Jesus' feet, saying his daughter is dying. Jesus says, okay, I'll come with you. And on the way, when he's going, the crowds are moving with him. It's a massive crowd. And there is a lady with an issue, a serious health issue. And she presses through the crowd, comes to the edge, goes probably definitely on her knees and touches the hem of his robe and she gets healed. And that's it. Be of good comfort, daughter. Your faith has made you well or whole, as KJ we will say. Of all the miracles of Jesus Christ and of all the miracles in the entire Bible, the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, this miracle alone stands apart. Many here, Jesus or another servant of God, had nothing to do with the miracle. Nothing to do with the miracle. Okay? And instead of being upset, Jesus is actually thrilled. And he commends her in the front of the crowd. Okay, so it's it's an incredible miracle over there. It stands apart, stands alone. It's a standalone miracle. Okay? Because there are millions of people around the world, one, who do not believe in miracles. No, sorry, who do not who go to a church that do not believe in miracles. So they cannot expect anything from their preachers. They're good preachers, great preachers, wonderful men of God but they believe in something that is, this is all stopped. So what do they do? What do they do? How do they receive a miracle when you go to a church where the pastor will not believe or preach or minister to you so that you receive a miracle? And there are millions of people who are shut out of church because of lockdown or persecution. Okay? But you can still have what God has for you. Without a man of God, without the four walls of a church, without being able to go to church, you can still have your miracle. Because if a woman could get healed of her diseases without Jesus knowing, but God knowing, Jesus was in the flesh, he was walking in the flesh, he was born in the flesh, God in the flesh, so he was limited, he limited himself. Okay, So that's why the most important thing, all you need is faith in God. And all you need is faith in Jesus. In John 14 and verse 1, Jesus said, Believe in God and believe also in me. Do not be troubled. Let your heart not be troubled. Believe in God and believe in Jesus. Note that nobody prayed over her. Nobody laid hands on her. Nobody spoke a word over her. No anointed preachers prayed over handkerchief or whatever was put on her. There was no oil put on her head, forehead, whatever. And all she had was faith, a little faith. And all she needed was faith. Please remember this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. At the end of the day, actually all you need is faith. Faith in God. And faith in Jesus. That's all you need. It's interesting. At the end of the day, all you need is faith. You don't need anything else. 
anything else. All you need is faith. Bible says all things are possible with God and all things are possible with him or her who believes. Because we have access. In Hebrews 4.16 says access to the very presence of God by faith. What does faith give us? Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace. Okay, look at that. What does faith do? God says, come boldly. So by faith we go. What does faith give to you and me? Faith gives us access to the very presence of God. Okay, and Romans 5, 2 says, not only go we go to the presence of God, which is the throne room of grace, we also have access to the very power of God. You can go to the presence of somebody and come back disappointed because you have no access to what his resources can give you. Right? You can go to these big offices, to big, big people, and they will tell you, no, throw your paper and say, get out. They're not going to do anything for you. You had access. They gave you an appointment. You had an access, but they denied your request. But what does faith do? Faith gives us access not only into the presence of God, it also gives us access to the power of God. That's why faith is so important. It is so important. And why love is the greatest. But we cannot love. And our love is not enough. That's not the kind of love the Bible is talking about. The love the Bible is talking about is the love of God. The love of God which gives himself. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And that's the only love God accepts. The other is all human. It will not take you further. It will not cause you to labor along with faith. So 1 John 3.16, we do not have there. I do not give it to you, but it says in the same manner, lay down your life for your brethren. The love of God causes us to love like Christ does. Okay, And that love can be accessed only by faith. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brother. The love of the world doesn't lay down, it picks up. It picks. It protects itself. It always demands, feed me, take care of me, it's about me. And even all the movie songs about love and all, it's basically, it's about self. It is not speaking about the other. That if you are not there, I will die. Okay, it is not about, you know, okay, even if I die, I want to let you go, be free, be happy. That's what it won't say. Okay, so it is not talking about laying down your life, the love of this world. It is talking about picking up your life, but the love of God. But how do you access that love? It's only by faith. It's only by, without faith, it is impossible to please God, to do anything of God, only by faith. So, All that it takes and all that we need, you and I need, is faith and the grace that gives us access. Faith gives us access. Grace is the very power of God. Please understand that. The power of God. So faith is what the hand of man does by taking hold of the hand of God. Hand of God is grace. Faith is the hand of man. The hand of man gets hold of the hand of God. That's all God looks for, even today, whether we are present in the physical or in the unseen, seen realm, that is online, wherever you are, in Luke 18 and verse 8, all that God looks, 18 and verse 8, Luke 18 and verse 8, oh sorry, I didn't give it to you. When the Son of Man comes, 
will he really find faith on earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he really find That's all he looks. When he comes, that's all he looks. Even if he's, he's here, but two or three gather in my name, I'm in your midst. He's here. When the Son of Man comes, all he looks is here is that. How smart you are. Where did you do your devotions? Did you fast? Are you fasting? It's not looking at any of those things. Unless it is done by faith. So basically the only thing he is looking at is, is their faith? He said, do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? So the first thing we will look in this, this sister, whom he called daughters. He calls her daughter, so she is our sister. This lady must have been middle-aged plus. She had an issue of blood. Whatever bleeding disease, 12 years. Okay, 12 years disease. First, when you look at faith, he commended her faith. We are looking at faith in relation to her and a few other lives, but primarily hers. The first thing we need to understand about faith is we need to value faith. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 43, the Bible says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Okay, It cost her her entire life's earnings and she could not be healed. Yet in an instant she was healed. So let us put 12 into whatever she spent each year and then look at how faith healed her. Do we really value faith? We value everything. We value education. We value money. We value power. We value things. We value so reputation. We value so many things. But one thing that we need to value is faith. No. Think about it. When you're going through a life-threatening disease. Okay. Life-threatening disease. Or when you're going through a life-threatening issue. It would be divorce, a business shutting down, or a family that is falling apart. You suddenly realize what I'm going through is going to cost me everything. It's going to cost me everything. There's some hundreds of orphans and single parents listening now in different places, gathered and listening. And they know what it costs them. No? If the doctor says you have only one week to live, only one week to live, you know, what you will do to extend that one week? Money is not an issue. You will even take a loan. You will be willing to spend all you have and even borrow to extend your life. Yet faith gives it to you free. And we don't value free faith. We don't value faith. Faith can handle almost every crisis. Not almost. Every crisis. Faith can handle every crisis. Yet if you look into our lives, one of the primary reasons God's people struggle is because we don't value faith. Faith is our last option. Often, for many people, faith is the last option, not the first option. And God is waiting for people who value faith. He says, you know what? It should be a first open and it should be a most valuable option. And your value will always lie where your heart is. Heart is. No? Think about that widow who came to Elisha. Said, my, my, my husband, your servant is dead. 
But he was a good man. But he was terrible in finances. All our money is gone. The creditors have come to take my sons as slaves. Please help me. You know, because of one act of faith, she believed what the prophet said. And one act of faith, one obedience of faith, in one instant, her situation was turned around. She moved from debt to an overflow. From her sons becoming slaves to sons becoming free men. Just one act of faith. That's what faith did. You know, we look at the crises in our life that people go through. You know, the prophet actually came to the king Hezekiah and said, "Set your house in order. You're going to die." He just shut every voice. He turned to the wall, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord told the prophet, "Go back and give him an extension of service for fifteen years." Fifteen years. It's not one day, two days, three days. It's 15 years was added to him without anything being done. Just because he trusted God and believed. God answered him and said, I grant you 15 years. This woman had spent her entire livelihood looking for something which she would one day receive by giving nothing. Just by believing and trusting God. And God says, you know how God's children, they are restrained, constrained, struggle, simply because they don't bring faith into their situations. Bring faith. And that's the entire purpose of the ministry of the word of God. The entire purpose of the ministry of word of God is not make it you good people or better people. It's to make you people of faith. Because without faith, it does not matter how good you are. You still don't please God. Still don't please God. Okay? Okay. God is looking for people who believe. And that's all Jesus looked everywhere he went. And from the beginning of the Old Testament to the last page in the book of Revelation, the only thing God looks at is other people who believe. Okay? Adam and Eve did not believe. That's why they had to go out of the presence of God. We can say he kicked them out. But they kicked themselves out. Okay? They had everything they could have eaten, but they went to one tree and ate themselves out of the house. Because they didn't believe. They didn't believe and God had to kick them out. But when chapter 4 begins after the fall, it is a man of faith rises called Abel. Abel by faith. Genesis 4 and Hebrews 11, the record shows Abel by faith. Noah by faith. Abraham by faith. God is looking for faith. And it doesn't matter who the person is. So the question is, do we value because we spend our time, our energy, our money, our resources, everything on other things except to strengthen our faith. Think about it. How much time did we spend today? Today it is 10.05. How much time did we actually spend today to strengthen our faith? Strengthen our faith. Other than doing my work for today, I already listened to two different messages from two great men of God. All I'm doing is that. All I want to do is that. I don't want to listen to preachers anymore. I want to read, listen to preachers. I mean, that's been my life. I've been listening to preachers of faith who will fire your faith up. Okay? Because the rest of the things you can find on your own in your Bible. You want people who will speak faith. You will speak faith. You know, the rest of the things are there. You read, you understand the do's and the don'ts. But how am I going to do 
the things which I need to do and how I'm going not to do the things I shouldn't do. I need faith for that. Because without faith, I cannot access grace. And without grace, it doesn't matter. The do's remains do's and the don't remains don'ts. Nothing is going to change in your life. Then Jesus did not have to come. The law was enough. Nobody could keep the law. Everybody perished under the law. Because it cannot be kept. And if any man was commended under the law, it was because of faith and not because of the law. The lawgiver himself died without entering into the promised land. Okay. God values faith. He values, or maybe he values only faith. And Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, emphatically, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he comes to God, must believe he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Impossible. Anhona hai. Hindi says. Nepali says. It is impossible to please God with that. Asambhav hai. That's the only thing that matters to Jesus even today. Because God never changes. One thing about God, God never changes. So you go through the Bible, you look for what is God looking for, what pleases God. Whatever pleases God is true forever. Ever. Whether it's in the Garden of Eden, outside the Garden, in Egypt, or in the wilderness, or in the promised land, it doesn't matter where you are. Only one thing pleases God. It is faith. So it didn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. Matthew 8 verse 10, it is to ah. Centurion. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. These guys should be having faith. They were saturated in the word of God and had no faith. Every morning they were woken up early in the morning and roasted in the law. Okay? Until they were oozing the law from... From the ears, the nose, the mouth, everything. And they added to the law which Moses gave. Moses gave 10, they added 913 or 80. But you know what? They had no faith. No faith. And, the, and a Roman centurion, a Gentile, had incredible faith. And Jesus would, would never hesitate to comment anybody who had a faith, whether it was a Gentile or whether it was a Hebrew. And there was this Canaanite woman. Right? And he would commend her faith. So we have to first understand the immeasurable value of faith. Whenever you are listening to something connected with scripture, script anybody, anybody, at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself is, did it touch my faith? Has it increased my faith? It's not knowledge about, that's good. But knowledge about God without faith is still irrelevant. It takes you nowhere. It's just an encyclopedia. Okay. When you do not have faith, it becomes like Wikipedia. Many editors. <laughs> okay. So you are keeping on changing the image of God because you have not connected to him by faith. When you connect to faith, he never changes. Never changes, no? Romans 10 and verse 17 is very, very clear. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Why do we preach the word of God? What is the reason? So that you will get faith. It will come from hearing. When a man of God or any person of God is preaching the word. Or you yourself is reading the word of God. You will hear God speak to you. You will hear God speak to you. 
when God speaks to you, faith will come. If only people understood the value of faith. Ephesians 2, 8 says, my salvation comes through faith. It is by grace, but comes through faith. Okay? You cannot disconnect grace and faith. If faith is there, grace is there. If grace is there, faith is there. You cannot disconnect to these two. It always goes together. Okay? My sanctification comes by faith. My eternal life comes by faith. Even my glorification is by faith. Everything from God that comes into my life comes by faith and faith alone. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. If you want to speak in tongues, you can only speak it by faith. You can never speak it by understanding. And I I, I feel sad for incredibly godly men of God who deny this fact. They will try to bring tongues into known languages and everything. It is not. <laughs> it is not. If you have, I didn't give it to you. I just want to look at First Corinthians 14 and verse 2. First Corinthians 14, my real dear, verse 2. Godly men of God who are not baptized and do not, uh, do not speak in tongues. For he speaks tongue, does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. If it's a human language, how is that? The Bible says no one understands him. Even great men of God, genuinely godly, great of men of God will skip this. If it's a human language, you can understand him. If I speak in Malayalam, Samir will understand me. The rest of you won't. But he will still understand me because it's a, it's a human language. It's a human language. Okay. For no one understands him, but in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, secrets, unknown to man, known to God. Why don't I receive it? Because you can only receive it by faith. And you open your mouth and you speak. You believe, you open your mouth and speak. And you yourself won't understand it. But God understands you. You don't understand. But God understands you. Everything is by faith. You receive the breakthroughs in your life by faith. You receive your miracle by faith. Somebody today receive your miracle by faith. In Hebrews, sorry, Romans 4 and verse 3, it talks about the father of faith, Abraham. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and was accounted into righteousness. How did Abraham become righteous? Only by faith. He trusted what God said and God said, you are righteous. Salvation is not so difficult. It's not so difficult. It's not difficult. How did Rahab the prostitute become righteous? By faith. Abraham and Rahab, the father of faith and the prostitute of Jericho. Both considered righteous only by faith. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 19. 17 and verse 19. They give it to you. He said, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the leper. Go. Your faith has made you. I mean, this guy is a leper. And he has lived ostracized from this society, untouchable to his own family all his life. Or how long he's been a leper. In an instant, arise, go. Your faith has made you well. Because if you're going to move into the fullness of what God has for everyone, you and I have to bring faith into every aspect of our life. That's what it means when the Bible says, my righteous shall live by faith. Faith is a 24-hour activity. 
because life is a 24 hour activity. If you live by sight, you know it's a, even when you go to sleep, you go to sleep by sight. You don't stand somewhere in the middle of your house and say, I'm going to fall down and sleep. No, you go carefully. You get onto your bed. You see your head is on the pillow and not off the bed. You're very careful. Even you sleep by sight. Those who live by sight, right? You know, you'll say, when I'm asleep, I'm not aware. But when you went to bed, you were very aware. Very careful. And if you have a habit of falling, when our children were small, habit of falling off the bed, we are very careful to put all the pillows, the bolsters on the side that somewhere adventurous, they still went over it and fell. And therefore the net was there, which caught them. But the fact is that if you live by sight 24-7, and the righteous are called to live by faith 24-7. What does it mean? You bring faith into every activity of your life. And you know what? You can live a day 24 hours a day, a day, pleasing God by faith. So to this woman, the Lord says, be of good cheer, be of good comfort, for your faith has made you whole, made you well. Okay, it was faith that made her well. Okay, faith, we are looking at man's side of it. God's side is that when you connect with faith, the power flows in. His grace, His mercy, His goodness, His virtue, His power flows into our life. So the first thing we have to learn today is learn to value faith. Give your best to increase your faith. Give your best to strengthen your faith. Because even if you lose everything in life, you lose your money, you lose your liberty, you lose your freedom. It doesn't matter what you lose. If you don't lose your faith, you're still a conqueror. You're still more than a conqueror. That's Paul's letter to the church in Philippi from a Roman prison, chained. And he says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You know what he hasn't lost? He has lost his freedom. He has no money. He's chained over there. But he says, I can do all things because he hasn't lost his faith. And he's able to encourage them, say, my God shall supply all your needs through Christ Jesus. Are you, are you seeing the picture? You can lose everything in life, but don't lose your faith. When you lose your faith, actually you have lost everything. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you have. But if you have lost everything, but you have your faith, you have kept your faith, that's his, practically his epitome, his last words. A few weeks or months before he dies, he says that, I've finished my race. I've kept that faith. He said, I've kept. What do you have, Paul? He says, I don't even have a, <laughs> I have a cloak to cover me in this cold. I don't even have a book to read me. I'm writing to Timothy, hoping that he comes before winter and that it's allowed into the prison, that I can cover my nakedness with this coat and have some book scrolls to read. I don't have anything other than whatever they give in the prison. But he says, you know what? I have something. And I will not let go of it. Is I have my faith in God. I have my faith in God. And I know he will bring me through every situation. Not only just bring me through, I will come there as an overcomer. I see my crown. So the first thing we have to learn and teach our children is to value faith. Value faith. Okay, value faith. Okay, we, they memorize scriptures, they read scripture, they study scripture, but above all that, all that is can become irrelevant. Irrelevant if you don't value faith. Because the purpose of scripture, the word of God, is to bring faith. 
this is who God is. He never changes. This is the kind of person he is. A kind, loving, merciful, godly, all-powerful father. And he loves you. He loves you. You can trust him. And you can trust him to the uttermost. Even if he scolds you, even if he punishes you, it is because only he loves you. You can trust him all the way. And you have to teach them. And we have to learn ourselves the value of faith. The first thing is we learn from this lady is the value of faith. The second thing we learn, Matthew 9 and verse 21. She said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Genuine faith has a voice. It has has two voices. It has two voices. Okay? Faith speaks. She said to herself. She said to herself. If you have faith, sight has faith. Sight has a voice. (laughs) Sight has a voice. Faith also has a voice. So the voice is there anyway. Even if you are mute, you cannot speak. You still speak to yourself. Right? You still speak to yourself. So faith has a voice. And we have to be very careful to listen to our thoughts. What do we say to ourselves? No? Because when you open our, we may be very careful about opening our mouth around sanctified people. We'll say, oh, I want to appear I'm a man of faith or a woman of faith. I want to appear I am wise because the Bible says even a fool is considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Huh? Shut. No. But leave the words that you actually speak. The question is, what do you think? She said to herself. She said to herself. Faith has a voice. Faith doesn't have to shout. Rarely does faith shout. Only if the shout of the, the sound of the crowd is loud, then you need to shout. Otherwise, faith does not have to shout. The only thing that matters is, is it coming from your heart? The Bible says she spoke to herself. It's coming from your heart. Because whatever you speak to yourself, I will tell you, it comes from your heart. Whatever you speak to somebody else may come from your mind. Whatever you speak to yourself always comes from your heart. So the question is, what do we speak to ourselves? Does my faith have a voice? Do I say he will heal me? He will deliver me. He will meet me at the point of my need. No? He will restore my home. He will restore my business. All those people in US whose business have been ravaged, not by the pandemic, but by the government. The pandemic did not destroy businesses. Honestly, governments destroyed businesses by the harsh restrictions. Pandemic did not. Pandemic was just a pandemic. The number of people who have died in the pandemic is still much, much lower than any other pandemics which has happened in the past. And much of number is inflated. Okay. The pandemic was as deadly as it was, then everything should be still shut. Nothing is shut. Most of the people in India has not been even vaccinated. How many have been vaccinated? Less. How many? 10 or 15 lakhs of 1.2 billion. And we, we claim to be the second most vaccinated nation after US. So it was not destroyed by the pandemic. It was destroyed by governments. But God says, governments can destroy your business. 
but faith can restore it. Your stupidity can destroy your home, but faith can restore it. Your mistakes can destroy your career, but faith can restore it. Our habits can destroy our health, but faith can restore it. The question is, does my faith have a voice? What is the voice of my faith? What do I say to myself? And she was speaking to herself. If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. If only. If only. No. The Roman centurion said, no, you don't have to come to my house. I know. I'm a Gentile. You are a Yahudi. You are a Jew. You're a rabbi. You don't have to come to my house. And I'm a man under authority. I tell them, go. They go. I say, come. They come. You just have to speak the word. Look at what Jesus' response. We looked at it earlier. Luke 7 and verse 9. We had seen it from Matthew. When Jesus heard these things, why did he marvel? Because he heard the voice of faith. He heard the voice of it. He marveled. And he turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He was marveled at what? The voice of faith. That's all God is looking at. The voice of faith. You know, does what we say to ourselves, what we speak, marvel God? You know what the Canaanite woman said? Jesus said, food from the table is for the children. She was not disordered or disappointed or discouraged. She was resilient. You know what she said? Even dogs eat crumbs from the master's table. You know what Jesus said? Such, such an answer like this. Your child is healed. It was the voice of faith. It was such an answer like this. Faith has a voice. Mark 7 and verse 29. 7. No? Have it? He said to her, for this saying, go your way. You know why she got her daughter's life back? For simply what she said. You know what she said? She said the words of faith. Just think about it. One sentence can get your life of your daughter back. One sentence, the correct words to the word of faith. Do we understand the value of faith and the voice, the words of faith? You know? Sometimes we understand faith has to shout like Bartimaeus. It has to shout. The crowds are shouting at him and you have to shout louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. If he hadn't shouted, Jesus wouldn't have heard him. Because he's sitting somewhere on the corner. He's a blind beggar. He's sitting at somewhere and he's begging. And the crowd is going and along with Jesus. If he hadn't shouted, Jesus would not have heard. But he heard Jesus was coming. Because he asked. And they said, it's Jesus. He shouted and they all told him, shut up. So he shouted louder. And Jesus stopped. Why did he stop? Because it was a shout of faith. It was a shout of faith. So we have to ask this question. Does my faith have a voice? Or do I voice my faith? Or do I voice unbelief? 
It didn't matter what God did to the first generation of Israel. In the wilderness, they only voiced unbelief. Can God? Can God? It's not that God can. Caleb said God can. Joshua said God can. The people said, can God? And that's what God is listening to. That's what I said. God is not listening to our spiritual activities. All that becomes irrelevant if there is no faith. The only thing that he's looking for is, is there faith? Is there faith? In Romans 10, verse 8 to 10. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now we are not preaching the word of faith as in the word of faith movement. We are talking about believing God and speaking it out. Not memorizing and just confessing it without really, really walking with God. That is manipulating God. We are not talking about that. We are talking about trusting God, following God, and putting your entire trust in Him, and speaking that language, knowing He can do it. He can do it. Because otherwise even the devil believes in God. Okay? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto sin. Your entire salvation is ultimately summed up with what you believe and what you speak. What you believe. Both have to agree. She said to herself, she said in her heart, said in her heart, what I believe and what I speak has to align. In sight it aligns. In faith also it has to align. And with the problem with the unbeliever, it is his heart and his mouth align. With a believer, his heart is one thing, mouth is one thing. Mouth is separately kept for Sundays. Rest of the days, he walks like a Gentile. But God says, all I am trying to do is getting your heart and your mouth to agree. To agree. The voice of faith. Because we have to see. Why do we see? We have to see. The extent to which God went to redeem the fallen man from sin, the penalty of sin, and the consequences of sin. Everything that we are going through is the consequences of sin. If there was no sin, like pre-fall Adam and Eve, there was no trouble. Absolutely no disease, no sickness, no trouble, nothing. No discord, nothing. They walked with each other, they were not ashamed, and they walked with God. Even the animals and whole nature was at peace with man. And man had peace with everything until the fall came. And when sin came in, along with it came everything. And we need to look at why faith is so important to the extent God went to redeem man. And there is no portion in the entire Bible than it in the book of Isaiah which describes what God went to redeem. And that is why God is looking for faith. And God gets upset when we don't believe in this. What he did through his son. Isaiah 53 is a chapter most Jewish rabbis love to avoid. You can pick any Jewish rabbi from any age. He simply cannot explain Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected by men. Who? Who? Moses? Abraham? Isaac? Who is despised? Which, which rabbi is despised? Who are you talking about? A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. 
We hid as if it were our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. This ultimately talking when he's hanging on the cross, the Messiah. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Now look at this. He was wounded for our transgressions. Why was he wounded on the cross? Because the law says, cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. So the entire curse of the garden, if you eat, you will die, went upon him. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. What is that you want in your life, in your home, in your church, in your workplace? Peace. He paid the price for our peace. Why did man lose peace? Why did the man who walked with God hide from God after the fall? Because he had lost his peace. Why did the man and the woman start pointing their fingers at each other? Because they who were naked and not ashamed had lost their peace with one another. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because he had lost peace with his brother. But to restore peace, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All the sicknesses, he says, was put on him. By his stripes we are healed. And then when we go through all our crisis, crisis, and God says, look to my son. That's what happened in the wilderness. When the snakes were biting because of their talking, they were talking nonsense, unbelief, and the snakes were sent into the camp. They were biting and they were dying. God told Moses, make a bronze serpent, lift it up. Anyone who looks upon it will be saved. And that was a picture of Jesus Christ destroying the powers of Satan, the bronze serpent, the serpent that brings judgment. Judgment is from God, but the devil got a handle on it and he brings it upon people, all people and God's people especially. You know, and it is all upon him. And when God has gone to this lens to heal us, to deliver us, to set us free from the power of sin, and the powers of darkness, and the deception of this world, when we do not believe, it's an affront to him. It's an affront to him. But this is the price he extreme he went through. God became flesh in the form of his son, Yeshua. And he lived a perfect, that's why he had to be born of a virgin. Why? It's the Isaiah prophecy. Some prophecies, will you stop believing? Five, six hundred years it took for the prophecy to be fulfilled. What he spoke through Isaiah. The virgin shall give birth so that he would be a pure, sinless child because his birthing had nothing to do with man. It had to be from God. It's pure birth. Pure, sinless life. He was tempted at all points, but he did not sin. Born without sin, lived without sin, died for sin. And raised her from the dead by the Holy Spirit. God said, this is what I did for you for the sin and all the consequences of sin. You will have peace. You will have freedom. And God says, when you don't believe, it's an affront. And in a crowd, I look for anybody who believes. It does not matter if it's a Gentile, a centurion, or a Canaanite woman, or a woman with an issue of blood, or a leper. You know what? I am tickled pink. Because somebody is taking hold of what my son died for. The price he paid for. That's why faith has a voice. Faith has a voice. Faith hears. Faith speaks. But you cannot believe unless you hear. So faith has a voice. The voice of the one who speaks. I believe, therefore I speak. But 
before I could believe, I had to first hear. So Romans, the same chapter 10, right? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's go to 13 to 14. Unconditional. Jew, Gentile, any person from any part of the world, any strata of society, irrelevant. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All restrictions are taken off. Anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. But the problem is, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So why do we preach? So they can hear about Jesus. And Jesus will save them. We talk about Jesus. This is what Jesus... We don't preach the law. The law has never saved anybody. It's never saved anybody. Law cannot save anybody. The only thing the law does is condemn you. The only purpose of the law was to make you so miserable that you would cry for a savior. And the savior is Jesus Christ. If the law has not led you to Christ Jesus, the law has failed in your life. So why do we preach? We preach so that people can hear. So faith has two voices. One, it is the voice of God that brings faith in your life. And when that faith comes, you speak back those words. I have heard, therefore I speak. I have heard, therefore I speak. Look at Matthew 11 and verse 27. 11 and verse 27. Oh no, Matthew, Matthew. You put Mark. Matthew 11 and verse 27. Oh no, no. Uh, where she heard about is it is it Mark? It can't be Mark. Where she heard about Jesus? Give me, give me a second. We cannot miss that. Yeah, is it nine twenty seven? Give me a second. Mark 5.27. Okay, not Matthew. I'm sorry. When she heard about... How did it all start? It's not that one day she woke up in the morning and decided, I'm going to walk on the road and any man around whom my crowd is, I'm going to know. She heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. How can they believe unless they have heard? What did she hear about Jesus? There is a rabbi. And everybody, he's saying he's the son of David. And you know, wherever he goes, the power of God just flows. Did you hear? Did you hear? This happened. This happened. This happened. This happened. She heard about Jesus and she realized, you know what? I too have a problem. It's been a problem for 12 years. And I've lost everything. My life is ebbing away completely. It's going. I'm getting weaker and weaker. Not only that, I've lost everything that I have. Trying to find a solution to this problem. But I hear about Jesus. I hear about, she heard about Jesus. So faith has two voices. Faith has two voices. One is the voice that tells you about Jesus. That is why preaching is what we do. We preach about Jesus. Paul says we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ. We preach Christ. That is the gospel. We preach Christ. We don't preach prosperity. We preach Christ. Who brings prosperity? We preach Christ. She heard about Jesus. And then, she said to herself, that's the two voices. Faith has a voice. 
two voices. The voice that speaks to you about Jesus and then your voice that speaks about Jesus. And in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, 11-23, faith speaks. Faith speaks. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, Whoever said, that's what she said. It's a mountain. It's a 12 year real mountain. 12 years she's literally dying on her feet. It's a mountain of debt. All her money is gone. And her life is ebbing away. Whoever says to this mountain, says, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Says, 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 says. He's talking about speaking. Now please don't use it against somebody else. You cannot subvert somebody else's mind and will and for this thing. That's what witchcraft and sorcery does. We are talking about your own personal life where you have autonomy in a situation which is connected to you. And you go to God. God speaks to you from the word or through a preaching. And you go to God with that. It's only that. You cannot subvert anybody's will. God does not allow that. Okay, he's not a communist. He does not subvert anybody's will. Okay, He doesn't do that. So please understand, this has got to do with the autonomy of your life, where it is concerning you. In this case, she is ill. She is ill. She is dying on her feet. And you know what she said? If only I touch him, I will be healed. You know what she is doing? She is speaking to her mountain. She is speaking to her mountain. She, she, she is speaking faith into her own life. You know what? If I were to touch him, not even touch him, touch the hem of his robe, that's enough. Hem of the robe, because she knows the law. She has an issue of blood. The law says if a woman has an issue of blood, she's unclean. She shouldn't touch anybody, so she doesn't want to touch him. She just wants to touch the hem of his robe. But that's enough. The power is real. Right? The power is real. Then the power should be flowing from the edge of the robe too. Right? If it is God, then it is all of God. It cannot be limited. So the question is, she heard about Jesus. The question we have to ask is, what did you hear about Jesus? Because what you hear is what you speak. Whatever she heard is what caused her to speak what she said. What did you hear about Jesus? What did you hear about Jesus? That's why we have to be very careful about what we say about Jesus. About Jesus. The picture that we put across to Jesus is what he really is. Jesus is a very kind, gracious, compassionate father. And nobody has gone so far that he cannot come back. We have to always say that anyone who comes to me, he will not turn them away. A smoking flax, meaning you are at the end of your life. Okay, sin has consumed you. You are literally burning away. But he will not put you out. A bruised reed, you have been broken. He will deal with you gently. Okay, deal with you gently. That is Jesus. And that's why they could go to him. So daughter, be of good cheer. For your faith has healed you. Arise, go your way, your faith. Matthew 9.29, let it be, according to your faith, let it be to you. Do you know he turns around and puts the honest on us? 
it's a very comforting thing let us let us say abigail goes to her father and says daddy i want to buy this and daddy knows abigail has pocket money so he says according to your pocket money go buy it she is very happy i got permission i was thinking that he will say no i have the money i only wanted permission i thought he would say no whatever she has she has let us she has 100 rupees and what she wants to buy is only 50 rupees but she is more worried whether daddy will say yes or no and daddy says go buy according to your pocket money that's what god is saying you know which do you want let it be according to your faith Now he puts it on us. Let it be according to your faith. If you don't want that, Lord, I have no faith at all. Let it be according to your power. He says, my power has never changed. <laughs> It's always the same. Let it be according to your faith. See, this is the human responsibility part, and it will be according to your faith, depending upon how desperate we are and how how uh, how uh, we value faith. usually it is a desperation i was listening to this man of god in the morning where he says that never has god intervened if you look in israel's history or individual lives unless they were afflicted it is only affliction that will cause us to turn to god and people who are comfortable and well settled in their lives they don't really need god and they don't really turn to god so what will happen is god will allow affliction to come to them that's why moses had if moses had to be a deliverer he had to be afflicted in the wilderness under jethro so that he will understand what is the life of those who are afflicted before he can be a deliverer david was chosen by god therefore he had to be afflicted understand what bondage is before he will deliver the people out of bondage of the philistines but saul came from a house and straight away went to the throne without knowing affliction therefore he could never empathize or sympathize with the people and know what their pain and suffering was and he was talking about so many servants of god are like that to say many of them because they have come with a silver spoon in their mouth and they got a gift but it is behind the scenes if you see them he said behind the stage they are nasty they shout at people they scream at the team and everything at all you know why because they have never gone through affliction never gone through affliction no and it is all the people who are coming and receiving a people who are afflicted they are afflicted and they come to christ The Pharisees had the entire law in their hands nobody could go to them no could have there no please understand fundamental it affliction is not bad if it causes you to turn to god and when you turn to god god will say your faith is healed you let it be according to your faith do you trust in me do you believe in me let it be according to your faith so we have to value faith we have to have the voice of faith the two voices we hear we speak we just don't randomly speak we hear we speak and third faith has a vision or a work mark 5 and verse 27 when she heard about jesus she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment she came from behind i will go behind him i will not touch him just the hem of his robe 
Okay. She's coming from behind. But she's seeing something in the front. She's seeing something. If I touch him, I will be healed. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. What is a vision? What is a vision? A vision is the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. So why is she going from behind? Because she is seeing healing in front of her. She's seeing healing. She's speaking healing. She's seeing healing. I will be healed. She's seeing healed. The question is, do you have a vision? Does your faith have a vision? What do you see? What do you see? No things have to be asked. What do you see five, five years from now? What do you see? What do you see? How do you see yourself ten years from now? What do you see? Why do you live the way you live? Sometimes people don't see anything. Israel didn't see anything. Every day the scenery was the same. Forty years they wandered in the desert. The cactus looks the same. The sand looks the same. The food looks the same. It tastes the same. The clothes are the same. The sandals are the same. Forty years the clothes did not wear out. Nor did their feet swell. Nor did their sandals wear out. Forty years they ate manna. And forty years they wandered in the same desert. You know why? Because they could not see the promised land. They could not see. Joshua and Caleb saw. And they never stopped seeing. They held on to that vision. They could see. Faith sees. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. What do you see? Hebrews 11 and verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar, were assured of them. Why do we do the things we do? Let me ask you this question. Why do we do the things we do? You know what? Because we see heaven. And we see a position in heaven. And we see a lifelong eternal service in heaven. We see. Otherwise, there is no point in doing the things which we do. We are willing to let go of a lot of things in this world because we see of getting hold of a lot of things in heaven. If you don't see that, then your faith does not have vision. We see. We see. And God says, what do you see? What do you see? 11.27 By faith he forsook Egypt. Why did he forsake Egypt? Why was he not afraid of the wrath of the king? Why did he endure? Because he had to see something that was unseen. Still in the, in the realm of the unseen. What is, he saw him who was invisible. That's why Moses, Moses did not leave Egypt to go to the promised land. What can the promised land offer him what he does not already have in Egypt? Can the promised land, the land of the Canaanites match the palace of Pharaoh? No. The only thing that could go beyond the pleasure and the riches of Pharaoh was the invisible one, Christ Jesus. He saw him. He saw him. What do you see? So faith has a vision. She saw something and she came up from behind seeing that. What did she see? She saw her healing. It has a voice. It has a vision. That's why Second Corinthians 5-7 says we walk by faith 
not by sight. Let me ask you this question. We have around 10 people, adults here and three children here. Let me ask you this question. When you left your homes, did you just randomly get into your bikes or cars or walked and say, okay, take me where you want to? No, you had absolutely very, very clear where you were going. You saw. Even Apu who lives upstairs very carefully came down the stairs. You knew you were going. So but the question is that if you're walking by faith, do you know where you're walking to? We know where you're walking by sight. I came from that side to this side. I knew where I was going. I came in the morning, early morning from home to the office. I knew where I was going. The question is, if you're walking by faith, do you know where you're going? Or are we drifting? Do you have very clear objective? Where am I going? She was very clear in objective. Very clear. I'm going from behind him. I'm not going to come in front of him. I don't want to be known. I don't want to be recognized. I don't want to be asked a question. What is your disease? What can I do for you? Heal me. What is your disease? I can't say that. Because I have a disease which cannot be spoken of. And the crowd may get mad at me for coming there. So I have to go from behind. And I'm not going to touch him. I will just touch the hem of his robe. He should not even know about it. She had a vision. She was walking by faith. Do we know where we are going? Romans 4 and verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to dead and calls those things which do not exist as though did. Does it exist? Let me ask you this question. Is she sick? Yes. Is she at the worst stage of these 12 years? Yes. But she's calling things which are not as it is. You know what? If I touch, I will be healed. I'll be healed. You know what God did? God calls things which are not as they are. He comes at the age when Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 90. Both are gone for all matter. Two old people, an old man and an old woman. And God says, next year, this time, you're going to have a baby. Have a baby. And Abraham believed. And Sarah laughed first, then believed. The question is, did you believe? What is Sarah now thinking of? Sarah is thinking of the baby now. Abraham is thinking of the baby. Sarah, when what happens if you really believe? You start seeing. You start seeing. There is a vision. You start seeing. You are not doubting. You are seeing the baby. Okay? Sarah will go to Abraham and say, Abraham, you know what? We need to make my tent bigger. And it needs space for a crib. Okay? They didn't have colors then. He knew it was a son. So she didn't say, I want a blue tent. Okay? But if she knew, she would have said, I want the color. At least inside it has to be blue. Crib has to be blue and all the baby clothes has to be blue. You start seeing things because you believed. You start seeing things you believed. You believe. That's where faith comes. You see. What do you see? In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? <laughs> what do you see? What do you have heard? Word of the Lord came. Okay. When the word of the Lord comes and speaks to you specifically about your life, do you see anything? Do you see anything? What do you see? Because faith has vision. It sees something. It sees something. 
Verse 13. A second time it comes again. And what of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? What? We are not talking about your own vision. We are talking about the vision the word of God generates in you. What faith generates in you. That's the one which has power. The other one you will have to flog yourself and try to do everything in the power of flesh with money and people and everything. We are not talking about that. We are talking about faith. When faith sees and faith does, it is always the power of God. Hand of man, yes, but the power of God. But when man sees and man has a vision, it is always the hand of man and the power of man, which only brings slavery for others and poverty for others. Whereas we have one there in Agra called Taj Mahal. 20 years or something it took. How many people died building that tomb? No, it's a, no, it's a tomb. Okay. Now people are making money because of tickets. But the people when they built it, there was no ticket. They just died making it. Okay. Why? Because it's the vision of man. We'll say, ah, oh, marble structure. Vision of man, built by the hand of man, money tax from the people and laborers died. But when God does something, it's the power of God. It's the vision of God imprinted in the hearts and the minds of men who have heard the voice of God. And that's what God is talking about. It could be a simple woman who is able to see her healing. Or it could be Moses who is able to see Israel come out. God says, what do you see? Because faith has a voice. So she saw something. And she came from behind because she saw her healing. Why? Because like I said, in the physical she could not come from the front. The law would not allow her to come from the front. But she broke the barrier of the law and came from behind without anybody seeing. Because faith will see where even there are restrictions. The law cannot blind your vision of faith. The law does not have power to do that. She broke the barrier, the blindfolds, the law had put over her, she saw beyond it, and she was able to see her healing. Fourth thing. Mark 9 and verse 27. Oh, where am I going wrong? Yeah, 5, 5. I'm always going to. It's, yeah. Can we, can we have KJV? I like KJV. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Okay? Press. Okay, we understand. It's not only Jesus who had trouble with the pre um, President Trump. Jesus also had trouble with the press. Okay? Because it's a different press altogether. Okay? So, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind. Meaning there's a huge crowd. See, crowds are gathering for anything. But they have no faith. And she's pressing through the crowd. And verse uh, 5 and verse 31 will tell you, there's a huge crowd. And Jesus asked this question. His disciples said, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee? You can go back to NKJV. Did you see the crowd all around you? So what is the fourth thing about faith? We saw the value. We saw the voice. We saw the vision. What is the fourth thing? Faith has resilience. It has vitality. It has vigor. No? Faith without vigor, faith without vitality is not going anywhere. Faith has to press through. The faith that God gives you will never say no. It does not know impossibilities because it is the very faith of God. 
Nothing is impossible with God. And God says nothing is impossible for him or who believes. How is it possible for a man to say nothing is impossible? Because it is the very faith of God that is given to us. He says it is not. If God has told me something, it will come to pass. When it will come to pass, I do not know. But I know it will come to pass. It will come to pass. No, it will come to pass. So it is talking about faith has vigor. It has vitality. It has resilience. It will not allow anything to block it. It will make a way. Simple, faith is not lazy. Okay, Faith does not consider the obstacles. Faith will press through the crowd. Faith will make a way. We sing about, he's a way maker. Let me tell you, turn it around. Faith is a way maker. When you say he's a way maker, we put everything on him and sit in our armchair thinking, he says nothing's going to happen to you. You can sit there till I come back. I may take you or I may leave you and take the armchair. <laughs> because the chair had more faith than you because it took, suffered your weight for 40 years. <laughs> okay. Faith will make a way. It will find a way. The Bible says she pressed her way through the crowd. We saw a couple of weeks back, four friends and one paralytic, they broke the roof. Nobody was willing to make way for them. Even this crowd. Nobody is make, see the crowd is not interested in faith. The crowd is a crowd of sight. They are all waiting to see if somebody will get healed. Everybody has got a problem, but they want to see somebody's problem will be solved. They are spectators. They are good commentators. They are not players of the game. And the problem with spectators, it's a waste of money. Time and resources. 800 crores for a stadium and two days the test is over. <laughs> hmm? Give back our money. <laughs> or we'll play the next test there itself. Three more days are left. Go back and play. And then, what a waste. These are all, these, these are all spectators. No? These are all spectators. They will stop you. But you have to press through them. Remember, four friends broke the roof. They broke the roof. And they let down their paralytic friend right in front of Jesus. Faith will not stop. It will not stop. It will always find a way. So if you are not finding a way, work on your faith. Lord, I am in this situation. Lord, there is no way. God says, of course there is a way. You just haven't seen it. Work on your faith, son. You will see it. Faith will always make a way. That's what Bible says, you will, no one will be tempted beyond. There is always a way. That way is the way of faith. Okay. Zacchaeus climbed on top of the tree. Remember? Zacchaeus was a short man and a rich man, a big man. But the crowd was, Jesus was coming to Jericho and every point of view was blocked. Everything was blocked. And he so desperately wanted to see Jesus. Just one glimpse. So he climbed up the tree. And Jesus saw only him. Jesus saw only him. You know why? Because he saw only he had faith. Faith can make you climb trees. Dogs also can. <laughs> we have heard stories about people who never climb trees. Chased by a dog suddenly find themselves on the top of the tree. But this is not that. This is <laughs> Bartimaeus shouted even more louder. When the crowd said, shut up, he shouted even more louder. You know why? 
Because that is the vigor of faith. It never gives up. Faith never, never gives up. That's why Jesus used the illustration of that widow who came to that unjust just for justice. She never gave. She wearied him off until, until she got her justice. It is not that, oh, I will come back tomorrow. Too much of a crowd. Maybe next time he comes to my town, I will go. It's no point. There's too big a crowd. I can't. I can't. No. Faith is always now. Faith is never tomorrow. You know how Hebrews 11 one says, begins? It begins with now. Now faith is. And faith is now. Faith is not tomorrow. Oh, I heard the message today. I will go back and listen to it again tomorrow. No, it's not going to work. It's now. Faith is always now. You can learn principles by listening to it. But you want anything from God? It's always now. Faith is now. Now, faith is. And faith is now. Faith is now. And Hebrews 3 verse 7 says, Therefore as the Holy Spirit says today, while he's speaking now behind my voice in the hearts of people when he's speaking now, today, if you will hear his voice, don't make your commitment tomorrow, today. Because faith is always now. Faith is never tomorrow. Tomorrow is hope. Faith is today. That's why our faith has to be tested because it's more precious. Look at that portion in Peter. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, for if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold. That Our faith is more precious than gold. So what does God do? He allows trials. Because if trials don't come, we will never exercise faith. It's simple. You t- look at me, one person in the Bible who exercised faith without trials. Nobody did. If you had a trial, meaning you have come to the end of your resources, then you turn to God. So God says, if that's the only way, I will always you are at the end of your resources. So that you have only one source. It is not a resource, it's me. That is why affliction is various trials. Why do Christians have so many problems? So that's the only way God can keep us close to him. And we'll say, look at the Gentiles, they have no problem. God says, because they don't need me and I don't need them. The only way, only message I have for the Gentiles is turn to my son, repent and believe. After that, I will deal with them. I have no second message for them. That is the message of John the Baptist. Repent, the kingdom of God is here. Nothing else does a man. A man did no single miracle also. He had no power ministry. Because he was speaking to a set of Jews who were Gentiles. Worse than Gentiles. Only one message. But once you have come into the kingdom of God, then the entire walk is by faith. And God says, will we press through? Or will we give up? Because God will always honor faith. And faith knows only one way. You know that? Faith only knows one way. It is forward. Faith does not know the way of retreat. Faith never goes back because God never goes back. It only goes forward. You look at anything that God has created, it's going forward. It's not going backward. Even time is going forward. Time doesn't go backward. It only went backward twice. That was also because of faith. One was for Hezekiah and one was for Joshua. Faith only goes forward. It doesn't go backward. 
in the most difficult circumstance for Israel, when they came out of Israel and the Pharaoh was behind them and the sea is in front of them, look at what God says in Exodus 14. Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go. How can you go forward? The waves are coming. The waves are coming. The whole thing is not a river or a nala or something. This is the sea, the Red Sea. It's not River Jordan. It's River Jordan. It says it shut off at miles away at Adam and then this side dries up. This side had to become two walls because this is the sea. It doesn't say the water went away from one side. No, it had to become two walls because that's all you can do with the sea. You cannot, what you call it, empty a sea. Go forward. Why? Faith never goes backward. The people wanted to go backward. It was better to die in Egypt. God says, go forward. And we have to ask ourselves, in my faith, am I going forward? That is the vigor, the vitality, the resilience of faith. It never gives up. That's the four friends. Jesus saw their faith and he said, your sins are forgiven. You know why? They refused to go back home, saying that next day. Maybe when Jesus finishes his meeting and the crowds have left and when he is coming out, we will. They said, no, now is the time. Now is the time. You know what we can do? Somebody's house, it doesn't matter. Let's break the roof. Let's break the roof. Faith is going forward. You know what it says? Verse 16. But lift your road and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. What is God saying? He says, lift the word of God. Stretch your faith and divide your situation. You know why we are stuck? Because we are not lifting the word of God. We are lifting our situations always. We are speaking about the mountain, not to the mountain. We are speaking about the disease and not to the disease. We are not speaking to the problem. We are speaking about the problem. He says, lift your rod. This is the word of God. The rod of authority in Moses' hands. Lift the word. And you know what? We've been looking at from January 1st. Stretch your hand over the sea. The impossible is before you. Stretch over it your faith. Can you stretch your faith over what is impossible? And you know what? He says it will become dry ground. It will become. This is one of the greatest miracles God ever worked in human history. It's not a small thing because Israel crossed in one night. They had almost three million people. And if you want to look at how many people must be crossing at a single time, at least 5,000, 6,000 people shoulder to shoulder with their cattle and flocks and goods are crossing through and on dry land, meaning it's like as solid as rock. As solid as rock. You know why? God said, all you have to do is, do you believe me? I can make a way. Do you believe me? I can make a way. And he, the man heard. And the man obeyed. And God made it. He said they went forward. Okay. Let me ask, let me tell you this thing. God has never healed a man laying in his bed. Never. He always says, arise. Pick up your mat and walk. He never. You know why? Because faith has vigor. It has vitality. It presses through. Pick up your mat. Arise. Lord, have you not risen for 38? Get up from there. Pick up your mat and walk. Do you think that? Have you ever thought about it? Oh, poor fellow, let me help you two steps. Nothing. Faith has vigor. It has vitality. And God looks at that. That's the genuineness of faith. It has vitality. Man born blind. Spits on. Takes the mud. Puts in his eyes and then tells him, go to the pool, Salom, and wash, and you will see. 
Lord, I have never seen. I don't know how. Get up and go. Because faith has vitality. Here is this fellow with spit and mud all over his eyes. Silom, silom, very silom. This way, this way. Why? Faith has vitality. It has vigor. It doesn't give up. Doesn't give up. And that's our issue. No, it has a voice, right? It has value, it has vision, but it has vigor too. It has vitality too. And God is saying, faith will divide the sea. It will flatten mountains. Zerubbabel, before you, this mountain will be a plain. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my power, by my strength, but your faith. Before you, at your hand. You will do it. The power is mine. No. It can quench the flames. It can shut the mouth of lions. That's what faith does. No. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Move the stone. Lord, it must be stinking. Move the stone. No, we'll say, no, Lord. First you call him out. And then when he starts pushing pushing the stone from inside, then we will know he's alive and we will move the stone. God says no. That is right. Anybody can do that. Faith has its own life. It has its own vigor. It has resilience. It has its own work. It has vitality. You move the stone. I will speak the word. Speak the word. The power is God's. Don't ever misunderstand that. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may of power may be of God and not of the excellence of the power is of God. So nobody extols Abraham, nobody extols Isaac, nobody extols Jacob or Joseph or Moses or Joshua or Elijah or any of them. It is God. The work of us of God done through man. What was on man's path? Faith. Power was always God's. And the next verses are interesting talks about the vitality, the vigor, the strength of, of faith. What is it? Heart-pressed, but not crushed. Right? Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. How is that possible? It's because of what is there. Faith is there. I am hard-pressed on every side, not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. The only way you will come through this way is because what is in you and who is in you. It is the power of God which you access day by day, moment by moment, by faith. That's what the Bible is talking about, of faith. And the fifth and the final one. Faith has a, has value. It should be valued most in our life. It has a voice. It has vision. It has vigor. And finally, faith has victory. That is the nature of faith. Faith always wins. Faith never loses. That's why God looks at people and says, you're more than conquerors. He looks at Gideon and says, mighty war. Nothing has happened. But he knows if Gideon wakes, stands up by faith, it does not matter who is against him. Gideon will ultimately win. Because faith will always win. Because God always wins. God never loses. Why does faith always win? Because God always wins. God never loses. The power, the excellence of the power is not of us. It is of God. And God always wins. The fifth one we have to remember always is 
Faith always wins. The victory of faith. Mark 5 and verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. Immediately. She, what 12 years of effort and resources, energy of sight could not do. In an instant, faith brought victory. Immediately. Immediately. And she knew in her body, she was healed of her affliction. It's over. Immediately it's over. Immediately. That's the nature of faith. When it happens, it is immediate. It's immediate. God may take you through a process, but when that point of faith comes, it is immediate. It is immediate. Immediately it happens. Luke 17 and verse 13 and 14. They lifted up their voices, so these are ten lepers. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was. As they went, they were cleansed. It happened. As they went, they were cleansed. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. After they were encircled for seven days. God had set a time. As soon as the time was over, and they shouted, the walls came down. Came down. Faith always brings the walls down. Faith, you cannot say I walked by faith and the walls are still standing. God says, no, it's not possible. The walls come down. If I have told you and I have said the time, at the appointed time, the walls will come down. And verse 31 will say, by faith, yeah. By faith, Rahab, yeah. By faith, Rahab, it's a prostitute. By faith, harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spice with peace. Why she did not perish? And the others perished in Jericho. Only one thing. What separated the rest of Jericho from her? Faith. Not good works. She was not a good worker. <laughs> she was a bad worker. <laughs> she was a prostitute. She was known for her bad works, not for good works. But you know what cancelled everything? Faith cancelled everything. Everything was cancelled out by faith. And that's what God is talking about. You know? So we know by faith Noah built a boat to save his household. By faith Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham dwelt with the heirs of the promise, Isaac and Jacob, in the tents. Because faith always ends in victory. Hebrews 11, 33 to 39. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the allies. 35, it will change. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. That is a victory of faith. They were given two choices. Either you can be free if you deny God, God of Israel, deny Jesus, or you will die. They said you will die. That's a victory of faith. That's not the defeat of faith. Because if they had accepted a temporary deliverance from the hand of the pagans, they could have lived. But that would have been the defeat of faith. And faith is never defeated. You look at the tens and thousands lying in prisons and died in prisons in China and North Korea and the Muslim nations and all. You know why they died? Because faith is victorious. They refused. They were offered deliverance. And they refused to accept that deliverance. Recant. He said no. For 2,000 years we have seen the victory of faith on both sides. Whether they got their dead back or they chose to die. Both is the victory of faith because faith is never defeated. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings and yes of chain and imprisonment. 
They were stoned, they were sawn into two, tempted, slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, me destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Because the world is walking by sight. The people of faith are not worthy for this world. God says you're beyond this world. You're not worthy for this world. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. What are the testimony they had? Testimony of faith. They believed God and they made their decision. So faith is always victorious. Don't look at your situation. Look at your situation and judge it by faith. What I'm going through, I'm going through is because of faith. If it is not faith, I can escape. I can come out of it in five minutes if I choose to go in the way of the world. But I'm standing here and I'm going through all this because of faith. God says you're victorious. You're not defeated. The world may call you defeated, but you're victorious. Potiphar's household, all the other men who must have slept with Potiphar's wife would have told, oh, you're a fool, you're lying in prison. But God says he's victorious. They said, you are in chains now. You know? What did you have to lose? He would have said, everything. I had everything to lose. Everything. The victory of faith. That's what we have to see. Matthew 5, 29 and 30. 29. Uh-oh, no, Mark, 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 Mark. Mark 5, 29, 30. We are looking at the woman, no? Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself the power. See, see, faith and grace, it's like, it is faster than light. <laughs> see, light and all is human calculations. But faith and grace, it's not like, when genuine faith touches grace, it flows immediately. Immediately she got healed, immediately Jesus knew. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. Don't forget she was losing life. Because in the old covenant you know, and even now we know, life is in the blood. And she was losing life for 12 years. And Jesus came to give life. He came to give life. You know, death and life touched. I have come to give you life and life in abundance. Here was a woman dying. She was, death was on her. But by faith, she touched life. And you know what? Life always overcomes death in Christ. No? Darkness and light touched. And darkness will be always dispelled by light. That's how you know your faith is real. We see another instance in Luke chapter 7, verses 12 to 15, when faith works and grace works. Here it is the faith of Jesus, not anybody else's. Luke 7. I didn't give it to you. Yeah. When he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Do not weep. So she has to do one thing. Stop weeping. Stop weeping. Do not weep. Now, whatever you are going through your situation, it looks dead, it is gone. The burial party also has got ready to say goodbye to whatever you are going through. And Jesus speaks to you that night and says, don't weep. Stop weeping. Could be what you are going through in your marriage or your home, your children, whatever. You know, refrain from your weeping. Stop weeping. She's only asked to do one thing. Only asked to do one thing. That's all she can do. She can't do anything else. 
Son is dead. Dead body is being taken for burial. And one thing God asks you. That's why you have to hear very carefully what is that he's asking you. And something what he asks you may be absolutely contrary to your situation. You are grieving. You are a widow. You are grieving. I think she was a widow. Grieving, yeah. She was a widow. And the only son. And the son is dead. You have no husband. You are grieving over the loss. And God says, stop weeping. What do you do? Stop weeping. That's all you have to do. Then God can speak to the dead situation. What does he say? Young man, I say to you, arise. He speaks to your dead situation and says, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. A lot of people do not see the dead situations changing because they are still weeping. When the Lord has said, refrain from weeping, stop weeping. Stop weeping so that I can speak to your situation. But you are limiting my hand with your unbelief. All I see is crying. I said, refrain from weeping. Enough. I saw your tears. Enough. The Lord has seen your tears. Lord has seen. It's like children. They fall. They cry. They fall. And the minute you take them, they stop crying. They stop crying. God says, I've seen your tears. Now stop crying. No. I will still keep crying. God says, and I can't do anything. I only asked you one thing. Stop weeping. Stop weeping. So I can speak life into your situation. See, God cannot work because he gave us free will. He will not overrule my unbelief. Understand that. He will not overrule my under, uh, my unbelief because my freedom to choose is sacred in God's eyes because he gave it. I said before you life and death, blessing and curses, you choose. So God will not overrule my free will. Free will. He can, but he will not. Because that's the nature of God. He's righteous. He will not overrule something which he has. Like, no, I gave a room in my house. Like, only one kid is with me. He's got a room. He's my son. That's my house. But I always knock on his door before I go eat in. Why? Because it's his room. It's not mine. I gave it to him. So, now you are 20. I ex- I respect your autonomy. Respect your autonomy. I gave it to you. I pay the rent. But I gave it to you. I respect your autonomy because you are an adult now. So, can I come into my room? This is your room. That's why we are created, we are redeemed by Jesus, and the Bible says he knocks at the door of our heart to ask us because he says, I have you given you that freedom, and I respect that freedom which I have given you. Can I? Okay. So God will not overrule your and my free will. We have to make the choice and let him in. And that's what faith does. You know what faith does? It lets him in into our situation. And that's all God asks. He says, you let me in, I will do it. But the problem is you don't let me in. I'm knocking at the door of your heart. Will you let me in? Come Lord Jesus. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. The shortest, most powerful prayer I've ever seen in life and practiced and seen happening is, Lord save me. That's as simple as that. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. You don't need King James Version. (laughs) Even if you do not know any part of Scripture, and the only thing you know in Scripture is that one day when you are sinking in water, Peter said, Lord, save me. That is enough to save you. To deliver you. If it comes from your heart. Lord, I believe, I heard. Lord, that's why these people, these Gentiles and all walked away with the miracles where the Jews with their theology were watching. They just walked away with their miracles. No. Malayalam we have a saying, Madalin Chari Nanam Pananayam Undu Boyin. 
Sabi Rada There are all these guys who are chasing this girl. Pretty girl. <laughs> okay, all these guys, okay. They all come with gel and everything. They're chasing everything. And there is this guy who is simply standing by the window. He watches this girl. And one day he takes her and marries her. And this boy said, how did he get it? Okay. Because he had faith. These other fellows, they don't have. Okay. That is what happens. No, all, we don't understand the value of faith. God is says, all I'm looking for is, is there somebody who believes? He talks about Israel. All day long, I stood with my hands outstretched to you, but you wouldn't believe. Finally, Paul, the Pharisee of Pharisees who became Christian was so frustrated, he shook his dust and said, enough, I'm going to the Gentiles. And before you know, half the Gentile world is Christian. And the Jews still are struggling, waiting for the Messiah. And they will skip Isaiah 52 to 54. They won't read 53. Still celebrating Passover. Still celebrating a day of atonement. Still celebrating all these things. And you know what? All this is fulfilled in Christ. They'll be celebrating the feast of the trumpet. The trumpet will blow. The church will go. They'll be still blowing trumpets here. You know why? Because they haven't understood what scripture is. It is whale. That's why the Bible says in the new covenant that even now when they read Moses, a whale covers their eyes. But when they turn to Christ, the whale. You listen to Robert, um, um, Jonathan Khan. He's a messianic Jew. You know his whale has been lifted. He sees things better than us. You know why? Because he's Jew and Christian. He's Jew and Christian. He's able to see. He understands that's part of his culture, not ours. So he's able to see in his culture the imprint of Jesus everywhere. It is Jesus, 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 Jesus everywhere. But they are not able to see. The entire scripture is about Christ Jesus, the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Passover lamp. They're not able to see. But by faith, God is saying, are we able to see? Are we able? It's 11.30, I know, but don't worry. (laughs) No? So you suddenly see death goes out, life comes in. Death has the voice of weeping. But life says, weep not. Life tells the young man, rise. I say unto you, this is the victory of faith. And Israel crossed over. Hebrews 11 and verse 29 says, Israel crossed over dry ground. It's unbelievable. Dry ground. How can you make the bottom of the sea dry? Only God can. Dry ground. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. You know why they were drowned? They did not have faith. That's all. They did not drown because they were because of the waters for this thing. No. They drowned only because they did not have faith. They didn't believe in the God of Israel. If there was one Egyptian chariot and one man riding the chariot who says, you know what? I don't want to destroy these people. I want to be among those people. God have waited for the chariot to cross over. She wouldn't have killed him. You know why they died? Because they didn't believe. Not because they went after Israel. They went after Israel because they did not believe. They died because they did not believe. That's why they died. There are two miracles when the walls of Jericho came down. One, by faith, the walls came down. Two, one portion of the wall was held by just one crimson ribbon. One ribbon held a portion. The power of God is moving and yet the power of God is holding. One crimson ribbon is all Rehab is asked to do. The blood of the Passover lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ will save you and your household. Stay under the blood. Her house is standing there. Two miracles side by side. One woman believed in that entire city, got her household in and they were safe. 
the rest perished. When we realize, when we reach to heaven, we will say, Lord, if I only knew what faith could do, that every time faith was victorious, faith is never defeated, I would have spent most of my time to work on my faith, to increase my faith, to walk by faith, if I only understood that faith can never, ever be defeated. So a lot of people are touching him. A lot of people, everybody is touching him, the whole crowd, but only one person. A lot of people are crowding the streets of Jericho, but he saw only one person. Because faith always wins. Faith always wins. Let's look at a couple of portions before we close. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. The king's son. Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised. For it may be that the Lord will work for us. Nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. This is the only thing that you need here is faith. And the armor bearer said, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Okay. And what does the next word, the verse say, which I gave you? Verse 15. And there was a trembling in the camp. You know what caused the tremble? Because through the faith of two young men, the power of God came. Power of God. And the ground started to tremble. Started to tremble. Okay. The king and his 600 soldiers are not moving. They have been hedged in by the Philistines. The armies, the enemies have hedged them. They are not able to go any place. Two people broke the ranks. You could be a church of 600 people and two people break the rank and said, I'm Tired of sitting here and listening to the same sermons and the same songs and the same prayers and we are going nowhere. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step out by faith. Step out by faith. And the next thing you see that there is a trembling in the camp. Trembling in the camp. And the victory comes. And that's what is going to happen. And that's what has always happened. That's what happened when a Catholic priest called Martin Luther took his 90 or 92 theses. So how many theses? I forgot. Hmm? 95 theses and every nail that went in shook the world. He just stepped out by faith and said, I am tired. Because the gospel says something. There is a righteousness that comes from God and it is by faith and faith alone. What is all these works they are doing? It has no meaning. It has no sense. There is no power. Miserable man I am. I am going back and I am going to do this. And the world was never the same again. One man. Stepped out. Two men stepped out. The ground is shaking. Ground is shaking. Because wherever faith comes, grace will come. And grace will shake your situation. There's a woman with an issue of blood. Or a man who's paralyzed all his life. It does not matter. It will shake. You will know your faith is real or not. Because it will always shake. The book of Acts says that beaten, flogged, stripped naked, thrown into the prison... And what happens? They are singing. Who is beaten and broken and sings? And the Bible says in verse 25 and 26, they were singing. At the midnight, Paul and Silas were singing. And the Bible says in verse 26, there was a great earthquake. Why? Simply because of faith. Because faith comes from hearing. And hearing comes from the word of God. And the Lord had said, when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Two people are putting it into practice. This is what we are supposed to do. We have been afflicted for the Lord's sake. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. The ground started shaking. 
It does not, when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, your crying will not shake the ground. Your singing will shake the ground. Your crying will not. You're crying a lot. That's why we have to hear. That's why. Because faith is always victorious. Always, always, always victorious. Romans 14, 23. We know this, but I want to look at it differently. When he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he who does not eat from, he does not eat from faith. Leave that. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is so how do you battle sin? Walk by faith. Whatever is of faith is righteousness. Because faith always brings grace and grace always produces righteousness. You know how I battle sin or you are, I have to battle sin? Stop fighting sin. Walk in faith. You are never going to win sin by battling sin. The only way you overcome sin is walking by faith. When you walk by faith, it's very easy because everything that is of faith is righteousness. The righteousness of God. Not even your righteousness. That is why it pleases God. It's not your righteousness. We are trying, oh, these many do's and these many don'ts. God says, leave it alone. Just walk by faith. What I have said, I hear, I believe, Lord. Give me the grace to walk. God says, fine. By faith. The simple thing. How do you overcome sin? You're walking by faith. And when you faith, you have defeated your greatest enemy, sin. Because everything happened because of sin. 1 John 5, 4. How do we overcome the world? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our Faith, our faith. Okay, Sipak is going on over there and all of them are speaking very well. They're talking about the communist ideology, the cancel culture, everything. Do you think all these ideologies our speaking is going to change anything they are saying? No, the world can be defeated only by faith. Every ideology of the world can be destroyed only by faith and men and women of faith. You cannot fight one ideology with another ideology which is both from the same plate. It has to be from a different plate and a different world altogether. It is the word of God. It takes men of God to stand up and say, this is what the Lord says. And therefore, your idea will not prevail. Your idea will not prevail. It cannot prevail because faith always wins. The victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And he, uh, Revelation 12:11, our third enemy, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, what Christ did, and by the word of their testimony, the word of faith they spoke. They, were, they overcame the devil. We overcome sin. We overcome devil. We overcome the world all by faith. And that's what Jesus is looking for. And that's all that is Jesus looking for. And faith will always make a way. The Bible says she pressed through the crowd. Rather, she was pressing through the law. Or she fulfilled the law. The law had only one purpose. The law said you are unclean. The law said you should not touch anybody. The law said you 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 have all these restrictions. What is the purpose of the law? Galatians 5, 24. This is the only purpose of the law. Those, oh no, no, not 3, 324, not 5, 324, 324. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Only purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ. Okay. So, what did the law do? The law condemned her. The law gave her no hope. The world gave her no hope. That the physicians. The law gave her no hope. Finally, between the court, between the rock and the hard place, brought her to Christ. And Christ said, you are healed. Your faith has healed you. You can go. You can go. That's the only purpose. We have afflictions in the world. We have afflictions because of the law. And God says, 
It is to bring you to me. And in me, what do you have? You have liberty. Okay, as I close, I wanted to look at that portion which I gave earlier. First Samuel 14 and verse 13. I didn't give it to you. 14, 13. 14, 13. This is Jonathan which made the land shake. Jonathan climbed upon his hands and his is a man who is going to bring a great victory in the battlefield for Israel. And where is this woman? On her knees before Jesus. King's son, by faith, is climbing on his hands and his feet. And the woman is on her knees, crawling towards Jesus. It's the same act before God. Your battle in victory in war and her battle victory in seed. This thing is because both of you, by faith, came to me. And my power gave in. He shook her ground. She shook the disease off. Okay, shook the disease off. So we need to realize God is not looking at people. God is looking where the people have faith. And if you have faith today, you can press in and shake it off. Whatever has been holding on to you. It's not tomorrow, today. You can shake it off. And all those who are listening, you have to believe today. Whether it is sickness in your body, or trouble in your family. Or your business. Millions of Christians. I'm talking to Christians. They cannot talk to India because there's no faith there. But in America, there are plenty of Christian businessmen and women shut down. And they're going through turmoil. You have to believe. You have to believe. Faith will always win. I'm not going to shut down. I will stand. And I will trust God. And he will make a way for me. I am not going to die. I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not. I shall not. I shall not. Don't waver between two opinions. A double-minded man receives nothing from God. If anyone who asks God must believe. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. Must believe. Believe. We have to hear. We have to believe. We have to speak. And we have to press our way through this crowd of unbelief and public opinion. And all these ideas and opinions and all these things you have to press your way through. Press your way through. That's what God told Joshua. Do not look to the right or to the left. Don't stick to my word. And you will be prosperous. You will be successful. So this morning we shall stand up. We shall stand up. He's the way maker. But he cannot make a way for us if there is no faith. He's the way maker from Abel down to the last saint in the word of God. And in eternity. He could make a way. For only those who had a little faith. And he said a mustard seed faith. A teeny weeny little faith. Will always press its way through. We looked at five things this morning. And I want to keep that in your mind. Above all. Starting today. We have to learn to value faith. And faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. God has exalted magnified his word above all his name. And we also make a commitment today. Lord, I am going to exalt your word. I'm going to magnify your word. I'm going to look into my situation, but I'm going to look into what your word says about my situation. And I'm going to believe what you tell me, Lord. I want to listen carefully every time I hear a message preached. Every time I read my word, I'm going to listen carefully to the voice of your Holy Spirit because I know you care for me and you will speak to my situations. And I want to stand on your word. And I want to believe your word. And I'm going to speak your word. And I know, Lord, you will make a way. I will not walk with sickness. My sickness will fall away. 
And if I'm sickness does not have to fall away, you will tell me that too. Whatever it was, you told Paul. Nope. This thorn will remain there. I know, Lord, you will never be silent in your child's situation. You will always speak. You will always speak. And once you have spoken, then it does not matter what the people say. Elijah came down the mountain and told Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for I hear the sound of rain. And he went up on the mountain seven times. He sent his servant and the servant said, I see nothing. But he had already heard. He had already heard. The seventh time he came back and I see, I see a small cloud. The size of a hand. It took the man of flesh seven times going back and forth. What he to see. For the man of God, the man of faith had already heard in his spirit. Therefore, he did not lift his head. He did not want to allow his vision in the spirit to be spoiled by the vision of the carnal eyes. So he kept his head until the vision in his heart matched with the vision of the eyes of his servant. Then he lifted his head. Because God has spoken. And God has spoken. And what he has spoken will come to pass. If he has spoken the chastisement for our peace was laid upon him, then I have peace in my situation. I will cast all my burdens unto Jesus for he cares for me. And allow the grace of God to come into my life and guard my heart in peace. If I have repented and confessed my sins, I will believe that I am forgiven. That's what your word says. The prayer of faith offered, prayer offered in faith will heal your sick. And if he has sinned, it will be forgiven of him. I'll believe. I'll believe. I'll believe by your stripes I am healed. And I believe, Lord, God will make a way. Like the widow in Elisha's story. One day in debt. Children going into slavery next day in plenty because she believed and she obeyed. Oh, Father, I pray today, who are hearing today, I pray your spirit will speak to them. Beyond and behind the voice of men, they will hear the Lord speak to them. To some, you are saying you are forgiven, to some, you are saying you are healed. Pick up your mat and walk. To some you are saying today the day of restoration begins. To some you says your children will come back. To some you says no. Your home will be put together. You won't divorce. I will restore. You believe and stand there firm. Stand there. Immovable, unshakable, stand there. Whatever your situation is, there's only one answer, faith. Because through faith, we go into the presence of God. Through faith, we access the very power of God. We not only have the power of God, we have the presence, the person of God with us. And it's only by faith. And by faith, we fulfill the righteousness of God. All by faith. 
Father, I pray today faith will arise. And somebody will press through that crowd. Press through the whatever they are going through and touch the hem of your robe. Somebody, somebody Lord today. I hear bones knitting together. Somebody whose bones were broken. Snapping back into place. It's snapping back into place. Pick up your mat and walk. You are healed. You are set free. Somebody is being delivered from spirits of oppression. Leave in Jesus name. Be made whole in Jesus name. Somebody's tongue God is touching with fire. Cleansing it. Sanctifying it. And empowering it. And he's asking you, will you go for me? All these years you were hesitant. Because you looked at the uncleanness of your tongue. But today God is saying, I'm cleansing you. Will you go? Oh, Father, touch somebody desperate today. Somebody, baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Let them open their mouth and speak by faith. Mysteries to the Lord. It is not tomorrow, it is today. It is always today with God. Today, if you hear my voice, says the Holy Spirit, today. Touch your people, Lord. Touch your people. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. That all you look for is faith. If you had looked for wisdom, most of the world are fools, are foolish without education. If you look for riches, most of the world are poor. If you look for strength, most of the people are weak. If you look for talent, most of us are untalented. We have no talents. But you looked only for one thing. That is faith. We believe, Lord. We believe. We reach out and touch you at our point of need. Because we realize you are all sufficient for us. We can never face anything in life which grace cannot handle. There is no sin your children have committed which grace cannot overcome. Grace, Lord. Grace. This is the gospel of grace. This is the age of grace. And he is the spirit of grace. Touch people today, Lord. Bound by the law, freedom by grace. Enslaved by the world, save them by grace. The two ditches on the other each sides of the narrow path to life, law and the world. But grace can save us from both. The law can take us to Christ and Christ can deliver us from the world. And both is by faith and faith alone. We too can say, I no longer love. The life that I live, I live by faith. Faith of the Son of God. Today, save your people, Lord. Save your people. 
deliver your people, heal your people, restore what the canker worms have taken, the locusts have eaten. Restore, Lord, restore. When it looks worst, God is very close. Very close. Reach out and touch Him today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I just praise you, Lord. I just worship you. I just glorify you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. We commit the rest of the day here in India into thy hands. The rest of the night in other parts of the world into thy hands. Be with all of us, Lord. By faith, we'll continue the day working for you. By faith, let them sleep knowing God is watching over them. And he will send his angels to guard over them and protect them and keep them. Thank you, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.